Hey friends, welcome back to Zach and Brian Watch the Watchmen. We are talking about the seventh episode of eighth. the eighth. I'm sorry, eighth episode. My goodness, season's flying by. Of the 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 season, the penultimate episode, a god walks into a bar, or if you read it the way it's been written on the show itself, a god walks into a bar, <laughs> which is a pretty clever turn of phrase. Um. Do you I do you think do you think they named the A bars just so that they could use that pun in the you know, eighth episode? I, I have been wondering that for like two weeks now. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. Um uh, so when we when we last spoke, we had a lot of reservations about how the last episode wrapped up with this um you know, the reveal that Cal has been carrying Dr. Manhattan inside of him or something of the like for all this time. Before we get into how you feel about this episode, sitting with that knowledge for the last week or so, did you change your your tone at all about that? So here's what I have to say, knowing that there's still one more episode left. Okay. Having seen this episode... I, I, or I guess I should say, having, after watching episodes one through six, there was a part of me that thought this show could actually be as good or possibly something even better than the original comic. I think these last two episodes have made the show into something else that I don't think will meet that. I, I, think whatever this is is going to end up being better than the original comic but i like what it is doing this this episode sold me at least it it sold me on the concept of what the show has become that's a really interesting way to to put it and i I think i kind of agree with you where i think that the, the in the seventh episode the show pivoted to something that I don't know if I wanted or not. Mm-hmm. But I think that the seventh and eighth episodes taken together are showing that it's what the show was always sort of supposed to be. Yeah. Does, does that make any sense at all? <laughs> yeah, it's what the show was in the first episode, and here it is in the eighth episode. It's all just relative. <laughs> <laughs> well played, my friend. Um so I, I I got some some good feedback from our friend Matt Milikoff, who said that he liked us not going beat by beat through the last episode. And I think this episode, even more than the last one, doesn't really work from going beat by beat again. So sure. I, I have a couple of discussion points that I want to get to, and sort of interspersed in there, we'll talk about other stuff, okay? But the first thing I wanted to ask you about was taking this as much in a vacuum as you can with just this and the comic leave aside the Zack Snyder film for a second (laughs) did the tone of Dr. Manhattan in terms of the way that he speaks the types of things he speaks about all of that did that seem consistent with the comic to you That is a really hard question for me, specifically because you said leave out 
the Zack Snyder interpretation, and for better of better or worse, his depiction of Doctor Manhattan, I think, has become so ingrained in my mind that it is it's really hard for me to think back to the short time before seeing that movie where all I knew was the comic. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I did find myself in this episode constantly comparing um, this incarnation of Dr. Manhattan with the Zack Snyder Watchmen version. Um, but to try to answer your question, I think it did a pretty good job. I think opening the episode with a callback to issue, I think issue four of Watchmen is the Mars issue. Yes. Is that is. right? Yes, it is. Okay. With that, you know, it's 1985 and I'm talking with Adrian. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he says something along the lines of, you know, it's 1985 and kind of using that same um, language to that John uses to, talk about different periods of time um in issue four of watchmen I, f I felt like that was a really nice cue just to kind of ease watchers into what this episode was going to be um because this is very much kind of the issue four of this series it's just coming much later yes and i and i think that it's a good thing that it's coming much much later you know, yeah. we had talked in the last couple episodes about how we feel like the show has been feeding you just enough information to not seem totally crazy, you know, as it goes mm -hmm. along. And I feel like if you had done this episode any earlier, it wouldn't have really worked. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what What do you think about the way John's portrayed here? So, uh, I mean, I, have, I had read Watchmen probably a decade before seeing the Zack Snyder film. But like you said, I think it's pretty hard to extricate the Billy Crudup performance from your mind, if only because the Zack Snyder film is so much, especially with him, so much the comic just put on screen. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at something that looks like the comic you've just read, it's hard to not like hear it in the same voice when you go back and read it, you know. Um, I think this Dr. Manhattan seemed a little bit more playful and possibly optimistic than the comic version. And I don't know if that's just because Zack Snyder pulled all the fun out of Watchmen when he was making it. And mm -hmm. so we're just used to hearing the more dour version. Or if it's if it's supposed to be that he has changed since we last saw him even though it's not really um like because of the way that he sees everything he can't really change can he so that's interesting i think okay and i'm just i'm just thinking about this because i you've watched this episode twice now like a week ago i just watched it for the first time like 20 minutes ago so um, but I'm thinking about how the idea of like specific points in time um, as being very important for him. You know, you see that a little bit in the original Watchmen with the moment with him and Laurie on Mars 
when he makes the connection about the miracle of life. Right. Um, I think we get a similar moment of that here with his moment with Angela, which I'm jumping to the very end of the episode here now, where he, the moment where he falls in love with her, which is when she is prepared to, you know, selflessly sacrifice herself essentially, or, or put her life on the line for his. And part of me wonders if that moment as, as John approaches that moment chronologically, he starts to change in response to that. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean that, you know, what you just argued essentially goes from the stems from the comic. And so I think that that's a fair argument to make, but I also think that, you know, it's just, it's so hard and a little unfair for us to try and really understand how Dr. Manhattan sees the world. Yeah, although I do want to say I feel like this episode did a really good job of creating at least like a version of Dr. Manhattan that is 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 somewhat understandable, I guess, in a way, um, yes. almost sympathetic, even more so than the original Watchmen, which, you know, one wonders if, if Dr. Manhattan is meant to be sympathetic. Um but he definitely feels, <laughs> you know, um, I guess fittingly so more human in this, even when he is not explicitly made human. Sure. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of moments in this episode that I think humanized Dr. Manhattan in a way that was, that, that was surprising and nice for me. Like for instance, um, he talks about when he's in the bar with Angela, he talks about Vietnam and how he regrets it. And she basically says what I just said, like, well, if you knew you were going to regret it, then why did you do it? And he says, like, haven't you done something you know you were going to regret? And I feel like all of us instantly nod our heads at that moment. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a really nice bit of writing to help mm -hmm. us to understand how his mind works a little bit. Right. Right. And and I think another uh, instance that, uh, stuck out for me is the scene where he and Angela have the fight where she asks him to leave and, and kind of the inevitability of that and how you could almost sense his frustration in being unable to make that situation go differently. And, and at that point, it almost felt like, um, it it felt very I, I felt I don't know it felt very relatable and and like being able to objectively see a situation playing out but being unable to change it because of just, you cannot change yourself in that situation and like maybe not that explicitly but I imagine like most people have probably had those kinds of situations where you can see what you are doing but be unable to make it stop or change it. Yes, absolutely. Um. So, you know, I guess my, my longer answer here is that I don't really know if the book, if, if the show rather did an accurate portrayal of Dr. Manhattan, but it mm -hmm. did an intriguing one. Yeah. And that's almost more important than an accurate one in my estimation. Yeah, I would agree. Um, 
Okay, so that was the first question I want to talk about, but let's let's sort of dig into some of the little bits of the episode here that we that we didn't get to yet. So there's a lot in this episode that answers some questions we've had about the show and specifically about Vite. We find out where he is. He's on Europa. We find out how life came to be there. Like many people, including yourself, had speculated Dr. Manhattan created that life. We have... Um, we just get... Uh, we had, again, one of my big questions was, how did Cal survive the White Knight? Well, now we know how Cal survived the White Knight. You yeah, know, and we um, also know how Angela survived as well. Yes, exactly. You know, so we have a lot of uh, a lot of information that gets sort of downloaded during this episode. But I want to talk about Europa first. Excuse me, I yawn. Um, is any part of the Europa paradise, that whole thing, was any part of that surprising or unexpected to you? Honestly, no. Um, I guess the biggest surprise i guess and that's actually i don't even feel like it's really a big surprise is the source of um the inspiration for phillips and crookshanks and i guess also along with that the manor itself i thought i thought that that was interesting maybe a little on the nose much like with the sister knight uh origin in the last episode maybe maybe showing or explaining a little bit too much, you know, let the mystery be a little bit. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, I see. But um, I I think I did like that scene. Uh, well, I don't know. Again, even then it's still, it's very much on the nose, but having the, the Lord and lady of that house kind of explain, have basically have the birds and the bees talk with him and then actually go tell him to you know make something beautiful i thought that that scene was really sweet in a way but also maybe a little bit much what what did you think so yeah i i have similar uh thoughts about that scene so on, on one hand i thought that it was a really nice – we've all seen stories in the past where someone is sneaking around and they see something they're not supposed to see and the people are angry and all of that. And I thought it was a nice sort of twist on that to have the Lord and the Lady of the House be truly kind people and to not mm-hmm. be upset at him for what happened. And just I, I sort of always appreciate when these sort of things are handled with, with a little bit more nuance and a different spin than you'd expect. So I enjoyed that part of it, but it was fairly on the nose. Um, And, you know, nothing we can really do about that in terms of like, you know, this show for the first couple of episodes really avoided a lot of cliche, but as the series has gone on and it's needed to make sure that the audience is with them with certain things, I feel it's gotten more heavy handed and gotten Mm -hmm. a little bit less subtle and while I lament that as a viewer, I understand why the show has done that. Yeah. Um, yeah, same. Is there anything uh, about the reveal of sort of the – I don't want to talk about the the post credit sequence yet. And we should say, by the way, if you have not watched the episode to the end of the credits, please do that because you will miss a very big thing if you don't do that. Um, 
But before we get to that, leaving aside that section for a minute, um, is there anything else about the Europa sequence you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so either. I think that all of that more or less tracks with what we've been presuming and anticipating this whole time. Uh, again, mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Just a, uh, just sort of what it is, what it is, right? Um, all right. I, I want to talk about the long scene we get between John slash Cal and Vite. Very good scene. Yes. First of all, it's the first time that we've seen Vite interact with anybody that isn't uh, a Crookshanks or Phillips in the or the Game Warden in the show thus far. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it's fun to see him. It's fun to see um, the character talking to somebody who he isn't like intrinsically looking down upon. Uh, or uh, trying to best in some way. Like, they're having a very real conversation throughout this. Um, yeah, it's Vite at his most vulnerable. Yes, which is which I have some thoughts about as well, but uh, I, w- I want to get your take on, on the scene in general. Tell me what you thought, thought about that scene. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I feel like the rapport between the two characters was really good. Um, <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, Jeremy Irons is, is fantastic. And, and the actor who plays Cal, uh, is his first name? It's pronounced Yaya. Yaya. Yeah, Yaya. Yeah, yeah. That is yeah. okay. Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Yes. Um, who I guess the only other thing I've ever seen him in was Aquaman. Same, <laughs> um, yeah. And he, you know, didn't get a lot to work with there. Um, but he's a fantastic. What? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> the Aquaman <laughs> defenders logged on here. I don't know. Um, um, but yeah, he is really great here. Um, and. I yeah, I just really liked this sequence. It, it I I can't really say why either. I guess it it was kind of like I guess some of it is maybe the nostalgia, I guess in a way, even though I'm not particularly nostalgic for Watchmen, but have, seeing these two characters return to the scene of the crime essentially and just getting to catch up and there's something very sentimental about it. And I think the scene plays that out in several big ways. You know, we get a um, a moment where, and and I, I, I mean, I called it, and I'm sure most people will, where um, Vite gets to say, you know, oh, I made it 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, a call back to I, I did it. What is it? 35 minutes ago or something like that. Yeah, I forget uh, the exact time frame, but yes. exact time. But yeah, yeah, in regard to the the ring, as they call it. Um, you know what I you know what I realized just now as you're talking about it. What this is the only sequence in the entire series where it's two characters from Watchmen talking to each other. 
Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad that that comes in the penultimate episode. Yes, agreed. Uh, very much agreed. Um, it is surprising that it took this long for that to happen, but I'm very much glad it did. Um, Same, yeah. Yeah. So th there are a uh, there are a fair amount of of big things that I do want to get to from this scene. Um, let's start with. Um, my favorite line in the whole episode, which is when when Vite is talking to John about essentially why he's wearing the body of an African-American. Oh, he says, yes. <laughs> uh, the exact quote is, this kind of appropriation is considered quite problematic. It is 2019, after all, or something like that. Or 2009, right. after all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just absolutely brilliant and a really interesting way to deal with that question because – um, again, I, I keep name dropping our friend Matt Malikoff on the show, but Matt and I were texting about this and he said that like basically the idea of wearing a black person's skin is um is essentially get out, <laughs> you know, and uh and how this is you know, it's just that Lindelof had to be aware of how this would look, right? Um and so I think addressing that head on was really smart. Um, yeah, I think too. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the unfortunate reality of 2019 is that somebody's going to be pissed off at everything you do, no matter what. But you might as well try your best to to deal with some of that stuff ahead of time. Uh, and I think that the show did a good job with that. Um, I did find it interesting. Or sort of fun, like you said, you know, we were all waiting for the I did it X amount of time ago line. But I think it's interesting that they chose to make this sort of, who basically looks like an IUD for his brain, um, you know, to make this sort of the original plan that he had mm -hmm. for for the, the end of the graphic novel, the comic. I refuse to call it a graphic novel. It's not a graphic novel. It was a series of 12 issues. Um, at the end of the comic... Did that seem a little tacked on to you? Because I, I didn't. Well, I didn't love that line. It, it's interesting that you use that you call it tacked on. I may be wrong. There may be something that I'm missing here. Actually, no. There's a huge thing that I'm missing. So this disregard. Yeah, I was gonna say that this is maybe like the first bit of retroactive continuity, but that's definitely like not the case. Like Will Reeves as Hooded Justice is well, that. We don't know who Hooded Justice was. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, this is definitely though retroactive continuity here where we, you know, he explains that his, uh, plan, you know, to trap John in the field and, and blow him up was actually plan B, plan B for blow him up. Um, <laughs> and his, his plan A was the ring, you know, plan A for amnesia. Right. So in that way, yeah, it, I mean, it is inherently by its nature tacked on. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love that part of it. I didn't see why that had to be the way it was. But, you know, whatever. M relatively minor gripe uh, at this point in the series. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will say that I, I actually I kind of liked it because I felt like uh, Vite in some ways is kind of a lot like Batman. You know, he or I envision him in that way with plans on plans and all of these, you know, uh, uh, 
a, a solution for everything. And so it definitely makes sense that Vite would have made this thing on a whim 30 sure. years ago. It, it just um, it just seems to me like he says it was his first plan, but he gives no indication as to why he didn't try this plan. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, it, it just it just seems very convenient to have that conversation without the uh, without telling us why you didn't go forward with that plan. Good point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's again a minor gripe at this point. Um, were you surprised at all about? how quickly Vite took the deal to go to Europa? No. Um, only because I feel like the show did a really good job of depicting him kind of at his most desperate and lowest point. Um, you know, here at, at that point, we were some, you know, over 20 years from the events of Watchmen 24 to be exact and he um you know this great plan worked for a little bit and now everything kind of sucks again people are you know he he's lamenting the fact that humanity's turned back to nuclear power and the arms race is back and it, it it's kind of you know the fruits of his labor are in his own words you know possibly for nothing and so I felt like it was the believable response of a very desperate person. See the the thing that I that I felt was a little bit out of character was like the thing that we see him doing as he's talking to John is he is basically continuing the um the squidfall, right? We see him perpetuating that to quote, quote, keep world peace. And it seems like Vite is somebody who, like you said, is Batman-like in his preparation. And it just seems like if that guy is to go away, he would want there to be a bit more time for him to be able to put into effect whatever plans he had. It didn't seem to me like he was living in this automation where he could just walk away because we saw him actively doing something. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Does I think that make that, sense? That may be that may be a bit of a yeah. I know I'm it may be like here. a bit of a no, no, you're not being nitpicky. I just hate I hate using the term plot hole, but I guess that could be a bit of what that is. Um you know, uh, you could explain it away like any number of ways. He could have, you know, we don't know if he had any contact with John after that. He could have just had, you know, said, oh, hey, John, I forgot to flip the switch to make the thing run by itself. Will you do that sure. for me? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. That Yeah, that's a good point. It did feel sudden. Um, I guess. I guess the suddenness of it is maybe a little, uh, it strikes me a little odd. It's just funny because he tells John, like, if you have any business to attend to, do it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then he chooses to attend to no business of his own. Although I would imagine that he probably has some contingencies in place, you know, if he were to ever die unexpectedly where the squid falls would continue to happen. So, sure, you know, I'm sure there's probably something there. Um, yeah. And the squid falls are still happening, so... Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Yeah. You, you have sold me on this, Zach. Um, 
Anything else from that scene you want to talk about? Mm, I don't think so. I did find it amusing that and look, Vite is the smartest man in the world, right? But that he instantly knew he was like, "You're back for a lady, aren't you?" <laughs> like, yeah, you pusshound, you. <laughs> this is what you do, <laughs> and uh, it is. We talked about that. This is what he does. Yeah. Um. Um. I do. What uh, I don't know what scene you have planned on uh, to talk about next. But, go for it. Well, this scene connects into another scene that then connects into another scene later. Um, but that kind of middle scene is where John goes to meet Will. Yes. Um, what did you, what did you think about that sequence? So we should say that he when he finds Will. Will is living in a mansion bequeathed to him by Hooded Justice. I mean, by uh, by Captain Metropolis, rather. Did you catch that? Yes, I did, yeah. Okay. Um, what did you think of that revelation? So, it made a lot of sense to me. I think that I could definitely imagine a situation where later in life, uh, I can't remember Captain Metropolis' real name. Nelson Gardner. Nelson Gardner uh, maybe felt a little bit of remorse for his uh, earlier misdeeds, the way he was in his, in his youth, the way he kind of abused and, and used Will. Um, and, and kind of, you know, that tracks maybe, I think I talked a little bit about how he is uh, portrayed in the crime busters scene in Watchmen. Mm-hmm as kind of just like the much less charismatic kind of, you know, very much his, his, uh, his better years have passed him and he's on the way out now. Um, and, and I could see him later in life, you know, kind of feeling remorseful and trying to make amends for the way he treated Will. Um, so that, I, I thought it made sense. It was a nice touch. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one of the, to borrow a, a phrase, that Lady True says, I believe in the th- fourth episode, uh, it's it's a little bit too cute by half. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of things in these last two episodes that, to me, have felt like the show was really trying to tie up every loose end in a lot of ways. And so you know, and this is one of the the faults that Lost had in his later years, where it was answering questions that nobody thought to ask. Like, for instance, Jack's tattoos, right? Nobody gave a shit about Jack's tattoos, and they did an entire episode about the sort of the history of those tattoos. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like asking yourself, where, where would Will Reeves be living in 2009? isn't really an important question to ask. And so while it's not a big... It's a very lost moment, though, even the way that that scene plays out, I think. Oh, absolutely. That that question of where is X character during this year is (laughs) the most, like, lost thing I think that this show could do, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, You know, so, again, not a huge deal, but just sure. Um, But so in that scene, Will is sort of debriefed by by Angela. I mean by sorry, by by Dr. Manhattan, who then is also being debriefed by Angela in the future. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in one second, but 
I thought it was a really good use of, um, first of all, I think that this is one of the best scenes that Louis Gossett Jr. has gotten to play in the show. Mm-hmm. I thought he was excellent in this scene. Um, I also think that for somebody who was hooded justice, he wouldn't need as much convincing that someone as Dr. Manhattan as maybe you or I would because he's seen so much already. And so there wasn't too much time spent with him doing what Angela does all in the bar, which is basically try and trip him up to get him to admit that he's not really Dr. Manhattan. Will never really does mm-hmm. that. Right, right. I that was and and uh, to, admittedly, like, John does a lot more things initially that would be difficult to explain away. He's very coy with Angela. That's true. That is also true. Um, but it's also, I just thought it was good because we just saw that scene. So we mm-hmm. don't need to see another scene yes. of, of him convincing somebody. Definitely, um, yeah. What did you think of how that scene connects with Angela later in the episode? Probably, I thought I thought the coolest part of the episode, and honestly, I guess maybe the the only really new development for Dr. Manhattan, this idea that he can become this sort of conduit through time, uh, you know, because essentially Angela and Will have a conversation across the span of 10 years and it becomes, you know, uh, as they refer to it in the episode, a, a chicken or egg situation. And and I thought that, I just thought that the way that whole sequence played out was really fascinating and a, not necessarily anything new or really innovative in terms of storytelling, but just really fun and, and a, a really interesting direction to take this version of Watchmen and this version of John. I mean, I hate to keep being the lost boy here, right? But it almost felt like Desmond realizing that he crashed the plane. Oh, 100%, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, just just this idea of, I, I guess I should put a lost spoiler alert out there. Um, it's fine. Lost has been off the air for a very long time, and this isn't all that important of information. Um, but, you know, this idea of one character setting into motion pretty much the entire show was is a very lost idea also but i right. also think but i also think that like nothing it's not like angela i know feels bad about this but ultimately angela didn't didn't tell him any false information yes she doesn't know that yet because she doesn't really understand Judd's whole role in this as much as the viewer does because we have we have seen Laurie talk to his wife and we have seen you know we've just seen more of this than than she has um but she doesn't she doesn't say anything she doesn't do anything really wrong in the whole in the grand scheme of things you know yes she indirectly causes Judd's death but she causes Judd's death for the reason that I guess for the reason that Judge should die. It sounds very harsh, but do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, yeah, I do. Uh, it's also interesting to see that that conversation that she has with her father, answer, or her grandfather, rather, answers pretty much every question we have about how the show, about how the 
about how the Lady True side operates. Like, for instance, one of my big questions after watching last week's episode was, like, how does Lady True know when this is going to happen? Well, now we know that John tells Will on this date, you have to be in this theater because this is going to happen, and the and your great-grandchildren are going to be sent to you there. So that he knows that date. He can tell Lady True that date, and Lady True will know that this is going to... Like, it just... It, it helps line up all the pieces of the show in a way that I didn't expect it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it is. It it has all come together in a way that I did not expect it to at this point. Um, right. but it also just I I just still have no idea where this is going to go. So we'll come back to that because that's that is where I want to end our conversation for tonight because this will be the last time we talk before the before the finale and mm-hmm. so i do want to to get back to that at some point um but let's let's sort of just just jump off to a few more things i wanted to talk about here um we'll get to the the scene with vite the after credit scene um in just a minute but the other, you know, you, you said sort of the one new thing about Dr. Manhattan was this idea of him being able to bridge this conversation across time. I'll say the other thing that we learned that's new is that when they're in the bar, she uh, Angela says to him, like, so will our babies be half gods? And he says, like, no, I would never do that without someone's uh, permission. And she says, mm-hmm. and he basically explains how he would, how he would give away his power. And... I wonder That's a real like Chekhov's gun situation. Yes, it I is, think. right? Yeah. It's, and, yeah. And so I think that is either that either somebody the either uh Senator Bob Benson or somebody else knows that or slash heard that and that's how they plan on taking Dr. Manhattan's powers from him by doing mm-hmm. that, or that he is going to give somebody else his powers. And that is going to be how they stop Cyclops, which unfortunately leads us to the scenario we did not want to see, which is dueling Manhattans. Yeah, I still I still don't think we're going to get there. I still I don't think that that's going to happen only because I think. I, I would hope that Lindelof knows that you can't depict that on television in any like really meaningful or interesting way. I don't think that this show for all that it's done so far is going to turn into a like superhero brawl unless it is some kind of like weird metaphysical um like <laughs> allegory thing like the ending of Lost um you know where you had uh Jacob and the man in black these two uh, you know, cosmic figures essentially fighting in the in the avatars of <laughs> two two main characters, which you know wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world, I guess. It it wouldn't be. I could I could maybe see it turning out something like that. Um, maybe now that I now now that I think about the way Lost ended, I could maybe see it going that direction. I don't know. Um. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll see about that. Um 
I do want to talk a little bit about that final sequence with Angela and John. Okay, go for it. Um, is exploding white supremacist heads the new punching Nazis? <laughs> yeah, are we gonna argue? It's a, if, is it's it a little good? morbid. It's a little morbid, but <laughs> is it? <laughs> Are we gonna have to argue of whether it's good or not that he's doing this? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's gonna be the discourse come Monday morning. Um, <laughs> I guarantee there will be a bleeding cool article with that headline. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but I thought that that sequence was really. Uh, I I wrote down in my notes as that sequence played out, like, okay, this show sold me on the John Angela thing um which was something i was very skeptical of at the end of the last episode but uh i i feel like as a i guess love story they did a pretty good job of of fleshing out the whole thing in essentially one episode sure uh may i ask you my love story question sure so, again, we've talked a lot in the past, you know, 40 minutes or so about sort of what John knows when and, you know, if he knows everything all the time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think that John killed Angela's grandmother? Do you think he was setting her up to be in Vietnam at that time? to allow these events to take place. Well, I, I did theorize that in the last episode. Yes, you did. Conversation. So now that you've had time to think about it. Man, I hope not. <laughs> that would suck. It's a, it's a pretty I'm gonna dark say turn. No. It is a dark turn. I'm going to say no, because it really would undercut everything that happened in this episode. It would create conflict, which would be interesting if there was more story to tell. But I don't – I feel like at this point it would just be unnecessary backtracking. Okay. See, I Unless they wanted to make the point that, like, Dr. Manhattan is just kind of this, like, force of nature that is amoral and – um, just cannot be reckoned with in human terms, sense of of anything. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of Vite essentially says that, right? Like, um, John says to him, uh, like, this is when you were telling me that you had me in moral checkmate, and he said, like, I I pre I presupposed incorrectly that you had morals. Yeah. Oh, I. Mm. I think it could happen. I think that we could get one more flashback sequence where we see that, and I feel like and the implications of that would be grave. Um, I think for Angela's sake. Um, I think that there's enough reasonable doubt, you know, with the fact that her, you know, her, her character. Uh, Angela's grandmother mentioned that she had previously had a heart attack. Right. Um, so that would set her up to being more likely to have a second one. Um, 
but I could see a situation where, yeah, Dr. Manhattan was responsible. See, to me, the the one sort of lingering doubt that I have about about Dr. Manhattan and Angela is it just seems to me like everything about their relationship came out of the blue. And part of that is the way that the show has structured itself, right? That we didn't know anything about Dr. Manhattan slash Cal until the the end of the seventh episode, right? Uh, but I also feel like when you look at the way that that the fourth issue of Watchmen tells John's story, the way that it sets up his love interests feels somewhat organic. You know, he was he was working with Janie, is that her name? Janie, yeah. Yeah. You know, he sort so. of works with her and then he finds himself in a similar working relationship with uh with Lori and it's just it, it, it's it's very much you they they meet in the way that people who fall in love tend to meet. And then everything about his time with Angela is so prepared, is so organized and so craven in a way. Like he's he's definitely, you know, to quote the uh to quote the one uh intelli- the one officer on Hux's uh Star Destroyer, he's tooling with her, right? Like he is definitely playing a game with her more so than we've seen him play a game with anybody else before. Right? Yeah. It, He's much more deliberate in talking about making things happen because he knows they are going to happen. Yes. I guess. You know, he has no reason for approaching Angela in the bar other than the fact that approaching Angela in the bar leads to things that are important later right. to him. Right. Which and- is weird. Yeah, it just it, it seems to me to be very much a um it seems like like meeting Angela checks off a lot of the boxes that he needs to have checked off. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And when when you when we talk about it in that way, it does circle back to the beginning of the conversation on whether or not I think this is a good representation of Dr. Manhattan in terms of how he's presented in the comic and talking about it in this way I would actually maybe be more inclined to say it's not because this 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 more active version of Dr. Manhattan doesn't really feel in line with the way he is presented in the comic you know unless this is supposed to show that even though he's a you know an immortal god that he can change yeah it it seems a little bit you know more interventionist mm-hmm. than we've seen Dr. Manhattan be before sure uh, and that's why i think i don't necessarily think that the relationship is as um based in love or based in uh 
you know, sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't. It, it doesn't seem as natural, I guess, as as a lot of other bits of this story sort of do and should feel. Sure. I don't know. I'm having a, a bit of a hard time explaining that idea. Um, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, okay. So should we, should we get to the, the Vite sequence after the credits? There's one more nagging thing from this episode that I feel like is going to come back later, okay, unless sure. maybe I missed something. Um, when he's when towards the end of the episode, when Cal is talking to Angela and he's standing on the pool and she asks him, why are you standing on the pool? And he says, because you, you need, need to, to see, see me, me like this. Yeah. I, I wonder what that is going to be. So uh, I have two thoughts about that. My first thought is just that she needs to stop seeing him as Cal and start seeing him as John again. And, like, she asks him in the bar, she says, you can walk on water. And she says, you walk on water. And he says, sometimes. And so I feel like this is maybe just he's saying like psychologically she has to prepare herself that this is not the cow that she spent the last 10 years with, that this is something different. Or like you presuppose that it is a Chekhov's gun situation and that him walking on the water is somehow a clue to something that she's going to need to do slash see slash be aware of going forward. Mm -hmm. Do you... Do you feel it's more the latter? I feel like it's more the latter. Yeah, that was my impression. Um, I think it's something that'll come up in the next episode. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is there but any? Yeah, that was the last thing. Okay, um, that, was, that was the last thing you want to talk about before getting yeah. to this, this sequence. Okay, so, so um. As as the credits are rolling, we begin to hear voices that are saying, uh, will you stay, Master? And then someone's saying, no, and then you kind of hear a squishing noise. And you realize that this is just a line of uh, Phillips and Crookshanks that are asking, uh, asking Vite, will you stay, Master? And then he says, no, and they smash a tomato, grown from a tree, admired by the game warden uh, in his face. Uh, we get this for a couple of minutes, and then we see Vite in his cell. Could you make out what book he was reading? I could not make it out. It looked like... Um, so I, I didn't get a chance to look it up. It looked like it was like Fog Catcher or something like that. I don't even know if that's a book. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna... Googling it right now. Yes, yeah, so am I. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I I tried to like make note. It, it set, definitely looked like fog something. Um, I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a place called the Fog Catcher Inn that keeps coming up, but that is not. Yeah, what same. Yeah, what we're trying to find. Um, yeah. So the game warden goes and speaks to him, and we get confirmation that the game warden was indeed the first Mister Phillips, and that you know he called he basically calls himself Adam. 
from Adam and Eve in this world. And, uh, you know, Vite is pretty dismissive of him and says, like, you're just upset that your big blue daddy went out for cigarettes and never came back. And, um, and brings him a cake that Phillips and Crookshanks baked for him. But, uh, in the cake, we see that they have given him the horseshoe, which we he didn't, s- he didn't need it yet. No, but he, he needs he, it now. Exactly. He had said in an earlier episode, he did not need it yet, but here we are. And he is ecstatic at finding this horseshoe and begins to dig, I guess. Like, yeah, that's what it seems like, which is, I don't know how he's going to dig himself out of there with a horseshoe, but right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could think of better digging implements than horseshoes, but I'm not the smartest man in the world, so so we'll see. Um, but it, it, this sort of circled back to something that I I was thinking a lot about with this uh, with this sequence of events, which is that Vite is so smart that it seemed to me like why would he allow himself to be put through this trial and all that. Where it seems like he can he can easily outsmart these diminished intelligence creatures that that were that are sort of floating around his life, and now it seems like, well, if they knew to bring him a horseshoe, and if he was telling them not yet, then all of this seems to somehow be a part of his master plan. Whatever whatever that master plan may be this all appears to be part of it. Is that the, the vibe that you got as well? Yeah, my, <laughs> I started like going like crazy conspiracy theory, like, Oh, Vite is going to be the new, new Dr. Manhattan and somehow <laughs> set this all up in <laughs> retrospect. I don't know. Some kind of like weird, big time loop thing. I really don't know what to take from this reveal. Um, uh yeah i i really i don't know what this is supposed to mean um i like it (laughs) but i I really have no idea i mean something that you and i have spoken about a fair amount on this podcast is the idea that the vite stuff is not happening concurrently to what we're seeing in other parts of the show sure and so i think that you know having seen the year in between, um, you know, the year in between the trial, which was his attempt to get a message out to the world, and clearly a year has passed and he has not gotten that answer. Uh, although I did not, I meant to look this up and I didn't, sort of how time passes on Europa. Like, you know, is is a year on Europa more or less a year here? Uh, that's what oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it would be. Well, and it's a. I don't. I mean, it, it's a moon too. So like, I mean, I guess it would be, still be the same as like the Jupiter's rotation. I'm, I mean, Jupiter's ro- rotation is longer than Earth's. I don't think his like conception of time would be different. And so um, it would. It would... Yeah. Uh... I'm trying to look this up now. So essentially, it, it appears that... Hmm. 
regardless, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is like if if he's passing a year there, is that longer or that would probably be longer than our year here, correct? Sure. Yeah, and I mean like you, I, you have to even like wonder what a year, what his concept of a year is. You know, he's clearly not having seasonal changes right but we we do know that that it was day 365 of the trial that's the only reason right true true yeah um but even then you know his his perception of a day is not like related to the sun in any way because he's in this bubble basically this little bubble world right um on a moon so Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, the reason I bring that up is just that I, 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 as time passes, I more and more believe Multiversity contributor Benjamin Birdie's idea that perhaps Vite is the one who is landing in the beginning of episode four. Um, and that would also, you know, we talked about this last week, but if Vite is True's father then that would show how she's her, her father will be here you know, there, there are a lot of things that that we could have that, that could sort of stem from from that happening so if Vite escapes yeah. here and lands on earth that would there would be a lot of things there that would that would tie together the end of the series cuz so i do believe that we're going to see um I do think that we're going to see Vite show up back on Earth in the next episode. Do you? Uh, definitely, yeah. I definitely think so. so I mean, it would. I I don't know what the point would have been if he doesn't. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh. So so let's talk about. Let's talk about what we we're expecting from the final episode. So I'm just going to ask you some questions and tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. So we're going to see Vite show up in the last episode, correct? Yes. Are we going to see uh, Looking Glass in the final episode? Yes. Are we going to see Lori in the final episode? Yes. Are we going to see... Um, are we going to see Senator Bob Benson either transform himself or attempt to transform himself in Dr. Manhattan or will that will he be stopped before then I would maybe say we will see him attempt it I really would not be surprised if the story goes off in a completely different direction somehow okay um will we see some sort of showdown between Will and uh, and Bob Benson as a sort of avatars of their of their respective sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna guess no. Okay. Will any of the major characters? Well, I think I know the answer to that. How many of the major characters do you think are going to die? You want like an exact number? I just want you to kind of talk about who you think is likely to survive versus not survive. I think everybody is going to live. 
Really? Maybe. <laughs> sure. What the heck? <laughs> Real confident there, Zachy. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, is there any... Are there any characters from the comic Watchmen that we have not yet seen that we will see in uh, in this last episode? Um, I was gonna try to think of something like jokey and witty, but <laughs> I I kind of don't think so. I kind of think we've seen it all. I think so too. I think it would be. I weird. don't think the only person who I can really think of that we might see would be Dan, and I don't think we're going to see him. Agreed. I don't see the point in bringing him in. Yeah. Um. Any other things you want to sort of speculate about, guess about, etc. Now, I really don't – I uh, we've kind of pretty much talked about everything, you know, the, the big speculation about, you know, Vite, the possibility of two Dr. Manhattans. Um, yeah, I really don't have a lot of uh, speculation, unfortunately. I know that's not the most interesting thing. Uh, it, it's, it's not as interesting if I don't have speculation, but I, at this point, I just really don't know where it's going to go i i really hope my big hope is that the story um you know kind of pays off the the seventh k storyline in a in a satisfying way i i don't want to lose track of that thread with the dr manhattan stuff um, because I think that that stuff and what it was, sh what the show was saying is important, and I, I, I'm really kind of afraid it's gonna lose that at the very end. Well, so um, I think I mentioned this on the show once before, but uh, Lindelof had said at the press junket for the show that this season of Watchmen is about white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't see how, if he said that, you could lose that thread at the end of the show. I, I could see it only in that, like up to a point, the show is about that. Um, it has been about that, but it does seem like very much ready to, to go off the rails and be about something else at the very end. <laughs> sure. Sure. All right, well, we thank you guys for listening. We, we're going to do at least two more episodes. We're going to do the finale, and then we talked about doing a sort of debriefing episode at the end. Um, I would like to get both of our uh, our friends, Greg Matasevich and Matt Milikoff, maybe to come on the show together, maybe separately. I'm not really sure. We'll do a few more episodes, though, I think. Uh, maybe not, you know, back to back to back, but we'll, 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 we'll talk about the show a lot more as time goes on. Um, and yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, Zach's on Twitter at WilkerFox. I'm at Brian Needs a Nap. And we'll be back next week with, uh, oh, I have to look up the name of the episode. I forgot to look that up. Um, I know it's a, it's a, it's a song reference. The last episode, uh, See How They Fly, which is, um, what, uh, 
What nursery rhyme is that? Well, actually, it's not three blind mice, is it? No, that's see how they see run. How they fly. See, see how, how they, they run. run. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah. See how they fly it comes from. It looks like I am the walrus. Oh. The Beatles song. Um. See how they fly like Lucy in the sky. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's a Beatles reference. Okay. If that's the case, then this show is just ticking off all the things I want to talk about. All the Brian, all the Brian boxes. Seriously. (laughs) We need to go. You need. We'll spend the rest of the week just listening to "I Am the Walrus" over and over again. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know if Uh, they're talking. Doctor Manhattan is Paul. (laughs) You know if if Sufjan Stevens comes up, then they're really eavesdropping on our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Stay tuned next week. And remember, uh, at the end of the day, who watches The Watchmen? Zach and Brian watch The Watchmen.